Welcome to Deal of the Week. I'm Ed Hammond, filling in this week for Alex Sherman, who's off sick. And joining me is Aaron Kirchfeld, our global deals editor here at Bloomberg, who's over from London for a while. Aaron, this year we have just hit $1 trillion of M&A value, uh, roughly the same as we were at uh, this time last year. And one of the themes that has been fairly prevalent this year is a lot of deals between US and European companies, particularly U- US companies buying into Europe. I suppose the biggest example currently in the market is uh, PPG's bid for Axo Nobel. Obviously, we saw earlier this year, Johnson & Johnson agree a deal to acquire Actelion, the Swiss biopharma company. Let's just talk about some of the things that are driving this. Why do you think we are seeing US companies very positive on European M&A right now? I think a lot of it comes down to confidence. The uh, U.S. economy is obviously doing much better than the European economy. So that's, you know, being reflected by corporate appetite to do deals. You know, as we all know, CEOs are more uh, likely than ever if their stock's up, if they're feeling good about their earnings, to go out and spend the cash. So I think they're looking over at Europe. They're looking at a country that's, you know, slowly getting out of the economic slowdown. Um, Some of the valuations are down. But, you know, a lot of European companies have global exposure. So the U.S. companies are going abroad selecting the market, selecting the industries, and, and, and then willing to, to you know, take the jump. And is there, is there something about sort of certain European economies at the moment that perhaps US buyers are feeling more confident in? I mean, we've had a series of elections. We've obviously had some stabilizing of the euro. Brexit seems to be going ahead for, you know, in whatever direction that takes. But it is now kind of, I suppose, factored in that this is going to happen. Is there some sense, do you think, among US buyers and perhaps even buyers from elsewhere in the world that, you know, this period of instability that we've had in Europe, which really has lasted a while, is beginning to come to an end, and there are some signs that you know the path forward is uh, is clearer. Yeah, I think there's no doubt that we're seeing some relative stability in Europe in terms of economic growth. It's it's not a lot, but the the you know the recession numbers we've been seeing in the past years have definitely calmed down. You know, in France, they obviously uh, they elected Macron, which uh, sent a message to the market that they're going to remain open. The European Union, especially the German uh, French uh, Franco alliance, is going to remain strong. So I'm sure that you know will boost confidence in the French economy. So I think you know there have been a few votes, a few elections that have brought clarity in the Netherlands. In France, Germany's coming up, but it looks like you know Merkel has a very good shot at uh, remaining chancellor there. So I think yes, you're right that some of the worst fears have kind of dissipated, and that's why you know U.S. companies are maybe now uh, more than before willing to uh, to buy over in you know across the Atlantic. So look, you you run a team obviously based out of Europe at the moment. Um, you guys see tons on the ground in terms of what the banks are thinking, sort of what the lawyers are thinking, generally what the, I suppose, what we would call the M&A advisory community is thinking about deals. What's the mood like at the moment? Is it very much, you know, we're open for business and there's there's tons of inbound interest? Or are they trying to get ahead of maybe some of these foreign buyers and actually gen up deals between European companies? Well, I'd say European companies, especially the global ones, are always looking for ways to boost growth. And when you know the local economies are still relatively sluggish, one way to get growth is acquisitions. So I think we've seen you know a number of companies, whether it's uh, you know Reckitt looking abroad at Mead Johnson, etc. You know we've seen these guys willing to do deals abroad. But I think what we're also seeing is very sector specific trends. So for example, uh, you know just uh, yesterday we saw the Clarion Huntsman uh, merger announced, and I think 
think that just showed these are two companies that are middle-sized chemical companies. They're watching the big ones, Bayer Monsanto, Dow DuPont, do these gigantic deals, and they know they're under pressure to grow. So I think if you can get the chemistry right between the CEOs, if there are synergies, savings to be you know to be sought and to be reached, then you will see these kind of deals. And I think Huntsman Clarion is a good example, or as you mentioned, you know J and J Actillion. J and J needs to bolster its its portfolio, its pipeline, um, and Actillion provided you know a very unique biotech company in Europe that had been rumored for years, but they really they duked it out with Sanofi, and it, in the end they won it, and it, it you know it brought them strategy-wise, even if they paid up quite a bit, you know, 30 billion-ish, um, you know, bought them kind of the the drugs, the kind of the future uh, outlook for further developments in, in, in health, et cetera, that, that, that they needed. And do you, do you get the, the feeling that some of the, I suppose, some of the inbound activity into Europe, particularly from the US, is also a sign that US companies are feeling maybe less confident about what's going on here, or there's more uncertainty? I mean, we hear this frequently that there are a sort of slew of big deals in the US, US to US deals just waiting to happen. But people feel like there's not clarity on tax, there's not clarity on healthcare reform. And actually, just more broadly than that, it's not clear whether or not we're going to have Trump as president for a huge amount longer. Could something go hugely wrong? So I wonder if we're seeing companies move outside of the US, partly to get away from that uncertainty on the domestic front. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. I, I think there was some hope that uh, with the tax reform that some of the U.S. companies could bring their billions and billions of cash that's stuck abroad, uh, that they could bring it back to the U.S. at a low tax rate. And I think that would the biggest impact would have been more deals in you know domestically in the U.S. Instead, I think people are still wondering, will this tax reform actually happen? So rather than sitting and waiting, because that could take forever or not even happen, they're just thinking, okay, we have this cash abroad, so why not look at companies in Europe that fit strategically and do those deals? now. One thing that I've noticed sort of being a European obviously out here covering M&A is that often when the buyer is US and the target is European and be that sort of on the continent or even in the UK, um, you often get this sort of uh, almost knee-jerk hostility towards the buyer in terms of, you know, where they're going to strip jobs, they're aggressive, it's, you know, even if it's not hostile, it's perceived as hostile. Obviously, we saw that when General Electric were buying Alstom, uh, the, the French company, and we're seeing it much more recently with PPG's bid for AXA, where AXA have been fairly resistant to it, and the Dutch government have come out and said, you know, this would be bad for Holland, this would, you know, potentially against the national interest. Is that something that you think is getting worse? Or do you feel that that perhaps is easing as we see more of these deals go through and be successful? Well, look, I think European companies and countries have always been much more conscious of the impact on jobs and investments where U.S. companies tend to see things very, you know, will it boost earnings? Can we get synergies, et cetera, growth? And, you know, it's a bit more of a brutal capitalistic market. Um, but I would say that U.S. buyers are becoming smarter to those issues. So just the one you mentioned, PPG AXO, they have been making huge arguments, you know, in addition to the price that they're offering look, we will, we will guarantee jobs, we'll make investments locally, we won't outsource production, because what they're trying to do is address the political and public pushback. So I think um, advisors and the companies have become much more attuned to those concerns. A perfect example we saw recently was when SoftBank bought Arm, the uh, UK tech company. When they announced it, and they discussed it with Premier May at the time, You know, they announced, look, we are going to make guarantees. They announced these big kind of R&D investments, etc. Because that's part of the package, I think, that you need to offer, in particular, to European companies to get both the governments and the public on board. I like this. Premier May. Obviously, I've been away from the UK for too long, and she's now being called that. <laughs> I just thought good old Prime Minister worked. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So so this, this actually brings me to something I'm, I'm very interested in, which is, 
you talk about the differences between the US and the European companies, and actually the US companies are having to be a bit sort of more savvy in the way they address some of these softer issues, if you like, the social issues around, you know, employment and around what's good for the national interest and protecting kind of corporate culture of some of the companies they're acquiring. Do you think that's something that filters through also to the shareholders? Do you find European shareholders to be sort of more concerned, you know, with those issues as opposed to just focusing on the pure economics? You know, is this good for our our bottom line? Um, are we going to make more money? Is this the best way to realize value for our investment? I think shareholders remain, even in Europe, focused on uh, you know value creation. Um, but I think they're also they are aware that you know deals can succeed or fall apart based on integration, based on implementation, and part of that are the softer issues, jobs, investments, etc. So while you know I do think they're aware of it, but I would argue that they are less um, concerned about that than let's say the uh, you know the the public or the politicians. Uh, but I think you know look, we saw one situation, for example, Kraft uh, Heinz Unilever. Um, that deal, you know, made a huge splash, would have been really big. Um, but immediately in the UK press, there was a big pushback in terms of jobs after the somewhat traumatic Craft uh, Cadbury take, uh, takeover where they promised to keep certain plants open and then in the end they closed those. So I think, um, look, I think buyers, any savvy buyer knows they need to take those kind of issues into consideration. And, you know, in the end, uh, Kraft Heinz and Buffett walked away partially because they were so shocked by, you know, the somewhat hostile uh, response from the press, from the government. So those, in that sense, I do think shareholders do care because they know that will determine whether a deal can go through or not. Yeah. And this is this is a good point about the UK. The UK has long had and potentially always had or at least since the sort of 80s has always had this you know we're open for business we're kind of us light we're very you know international in our outlook certainly the way we think about ourselves from a corporate standpoint but some of the bigger deals that have been attempted in the uk by foreign acquirers and obviously you mentioned uh Kraft Heinz bidding for Unilever, but obviously we also saw it when Pfizer went after AstraZeneca. There's this kind of immediate, no way, that's not going to happen. The government comes out and says it's not going to happen. You get all kinds of lobbying by the media and by all kinds of public officials saying this would be a terrible thing for, you know, UK PLC. Do you think perhaps the UK is not quite as um, outward looking and open for business as it perceives itself? I think what we're seeing is the UK... um trying to find a better balance. I think, you know, on the one extreme, you have France, which is, you know, very well known to be hostile to takeovers in certain industries. Yogurt. Uh, is a national interest. Indeed, indeed. That was a famous uh, incident. Uh, whereas Germany, also protected, but slightly more open. The UK was seen as a place where you could just raid the country, buy whatever you wanted, shut things down. And I think, you know, uh, Prime Minister May, as I'll call her now, uh, I think she's very conscious of that. Just this uh, last week, uh, they put out, you know, the Tory party put out their manifesto with the you know the elections coming up uh, early june where they addressed exactly that point m&a rules and what they pretty much said was you know we are going to make sure that promises that are made by buyers are kept um, after some bad experiences in the past and then also the government can ask for a delay in approval when they if they want to give a deal bigger scrutiny so i think i think may is trying to walk a fine line where she's trying to say look i have a national strategic vision you know an industrial plan um we are still open for business but it's not going to be as easy as it was in the past that takes us to the end of the show for this week you can expect more from bloomberg reporters and MA professionals who are doing deals in real time until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and at Bloomberg.com, as well as on our Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and any app that you can use to listen to podcasts. And take a minute to rate and review the show while you're there. 
You can find me on Twitter at EdHammondNY, and you can find Aaron on Twitter, I believe this is right, at A-K-M-N-A. N-A. Spot on. Sarah Patterson is our producer, and Alec McCabe is head of podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.